What's up, Zaw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 11.5 of Behind the Daw. Now, on Behind the Daw, we usually interview music producers, music industry experts, musicians, artists, you know, people of that nature on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. But as you notice, this is a 0.5 episode. Now, what does that mean? That means that we take the audio from our YouTube series in the DAW, we put it in a podcast form so you can get that perfect combination of emotional coming from behind the DAW and technical coming from in the DAW in the same place. Three things really quick before we get going with our guest today. Number one is the Patreon. There's a link down in the description if you want to help us keep going with this series so that we can keep bringing you these interviews for free forever. Go ahead and click on the Patreon. It's $1 a month and it helps secure that we can keep doing this the rest of our lives. Uh, Number two is the link for suggestions. If you want to suggest someone to come on the show, go ahead and click on that link. And then finally, the third link down there is for private lessons. If you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing, go ahead and click on that link. They're very well priced. Uh, It's very flexible. Find a time for you, find a time for me, and we'll get you going with that. So who do we have coming on today? His name is Frequent. If you don't know about Frequent and the other upscale boys, the other neurohop, neurofunk, halftime guys, you need to look into it because they're doing things that are absolutely unreal in the production world. So what are some of the things that we're going to be talking about today? Well, first off, we're going to be breaking down his song, Alpha State. And within breaking down Alpha State, we're going to be talking about many things. But here's some of the things that really stuck out to me. Number one is how to use granulator to really make unique percussive arrangements. Now, it's kind, of, it's kind of hard to think about, so stay tuned because we're going to give you a lot of examples of what that means. Number two is manipulating the beats mode in Ableton for super cool sound design. You know, we've talked about before uh, manipulating the different warp algorithms inside of Ableton to evoke certain things, but the beats mode, the beats mode is very untapped. We're going to talk about how he uses that to evoke really cool sound design. And then finally, and this was so mind-blowing, I don't know why I've never thought about this before, but recycling old tracks to evoke new ideas. You're going to hear him put an old song into granulator and stretch the thing to its limits and it's going to evoke new and interesting ideas. I mean, how cool is that? That's like the gift that just keeps on giving. You finish a song, but you can keep using that song to evoke new ideas. So stay tuned. We're going to show you how to do that. If you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on. Whether it's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play, Deezer, wherever you are listening to this, please. It just helps us know that what we're doing is legitimate. We're moving in the right direction that you need us to move in. So with all that out of the way, Donation, I want to introduce you to Frequent. Something that I absolutely love about the song is that how freaking weirdly percussive it is, right? So like in uh, before the drop and even in the drop too, there's just you have all these I don't I don't know what I call them, just like bleeps and bloops, like these sound effects. Like I I, I don't know, uh, but like it creates such a beautiful percussive rhythmic feel. How the heck did you do that? The original idea of this track, this track was like the first thing on the album that I started. And it was way before any of the concepts were developed. I decided I was going to try to make a song by like cutting up parts of old tracks of mine. Um, And so what I did is I like ran a bunch of songs through Granulator to get all these pads in the beginning. Um, And then I also did some more like glitchy cuts with all those tracks and then also just used the tracks themselves. And I ended up just basically layering a bunch of these tiny little edits on top 
top of each other. So I have this whole parts group, which is separate from all the drums. I also need to figure out where I am in this track. All right, so yeah, I think the drop is probably the best place to show this. But yeah, we have like all the percussive hits, which you're talking about, but really what makes all these really like staccato parts stand out is the way that all these percussive bits are layered against all these other glitchy parts. But um, let me just run you through what's going on. So yeah, it's just a bunch of little tiny hits in there. This is like some drum break, all using this beats mode thing so that the transients are super short. And then we've got up here, just another break. Probably the same thing. Yep, got that beats mode on there. All these just like really short transient sounds. I have no idea what that is, but it's just a thing. Some reverb on it. Basically, all this is just like very normal drum stuff, just like hats and stuff layered. And what's interesting is the way that those sound against all of these things. So if we solo out some of this. So yeah, like this main sound here that kind of holds on that, that first riff, that da na 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 it's just a bunch of random cuts from my fellow feeling remix that I did like years ago at this point ran through granulator so if we open up a new channel just so you guys can take a listen to this entire cut and see what we got in here so it's a lot of just like a bunch of random sounds And then what I've done is I've just kind of gone like bit by bit up here and I've like, all right, I'm going to paste this part here and I'm going to cut up this section with the grid off. So like I want this and then I want this little sound to do like this thing and then we can go through and we can like change the individual cuts of all of these and then you start to just get like all these little glitchy cuts. So yeah, basically you have all these granular bits that kind of interplay between the percussive elements. So if we listen to this all soloed against this, you kind of hear how it's not its not just the percussion being cut up and it's not just this being cut up. It's kind of the sum of both elements that create this really weird like rhythmic quality, I guess. <laughs> Was just a lot of like trial and error, I guess, um, sitting through all of these cuts and trying to get them good. And then this is something I do called soft stemming. So for this part, you can see um, effectively if you listen to the drop. So this whole A section is basically just like looping this part over to here and then some variations. So if we listen. So basically what I've done is I've just consolidated all of this stuff into one little stem here. And then what you can do is you can basically edit um, like these individual parts just by cutting up. So. so I just found a bunch of little parts from over here that I liked and like pitched them up in beats mode. Yeah, so that's it's basically a lot of just like beats mode, pitching and editing. 
get all these nice little glitchy effects out of it. So question with, with this, so like just in that A section right there, how long did it take to kind of trial and error and figure out what you wanted with that? I'd say the problem with it is like, it's not like I just made this part in one go and then called it done. We're looking at version five of this project. There's eight versions before I stemmed it. And then there's like a million stem versions. So it took like three or four versions to even get all of these sounds alone to even sound the way that they do. And that was probably like countless hours of work. But it's not like I was just working on this, you know, it's like I'd work on this and then I'd start building out these parts. This version of the project. Oh, wow. <sighs> yeah, that really shows you how much time I spent on this because we're five versions deep and I don't have anything past this first drop. It's like half a song. So yeah, a lot of hours. This song is like basically this whole album was just a display of how bad my songwriting and planning was. Um, I learned a ton from it, but I spent way too much time on all of these, like easily over a hundred hours on this track alone. On most of the tracks, actually, it just was killing me, which is why it took two years to write nine songs. For this little like glitchy noise and stuff, do you do the sequencing before the sound design or do bits of sound design while you're sequencing them? Oh uh, yeah, so a lot of times all of my sound design, not all of it, but a lot of my sound design is outsourced. So again, for this project, I had all these granular renders and I did like kind of two different sections. I did like glitchy granular stuff and then like ambient granular stuff. And I just ran a bunch of my old tracks through those. And that's where all of the original like sounds and stuff came from. But then into the bases, um, like some of these bases were designed in the project and some of them were just like an old resample I cut up. So for instance, this bass. It's just like some operator thing. And then this up here is just like, uh, it's just white noise. Let's see. It's probably this one. Yeah. So this is just some bass I had already made prior to even like starting this track. It sounds like, let's make sure warp is off, unpitch it. So this is the original bass sound. And so in this track, this is actually a pretty good example. So I have kind of the interplay between like this sub, which is in MIDI and this sound, which is in MIDI and these white noise things are in MIDI too. And then, th so those are all new sounds that I introduced to the project. And then those are kind of interplaying between this one bass that I had already made. I mean, this is a good example of that beats mode thing. So that's the same thing as, as doing on those glitches where you just take like a whole string of it and go in beats mode. But instead of telling it to find like the transients within the sample, you can just set it to do like 16th notes or whatever. And so you can... So I got one of those. Um, and you can just hear me abusing techniques like that throughout this entire project. A lot of this project is just like Ableton warp modes. Can we take a look at that that one operator base that you had just, just to see the patch on it? Yeah, totally. Um, so this is actually... Yeah, so basically the premise for this sound is just to take like a bandpass thing and then use all these effects to bring it out. So without anything on it, it's just like a really weak little wub. Um, it's like just probably some really... Okay, FM. I don't even know. Yeah, just some random stuff drawn in here um, on top of a sine wave. So I took a sine wave, fed this random thing into it, threw a bandpass on it that I automated. And then it's really all these effects that are doing everything. When I work with Operator, a lot of the reason I like it is just because it provides good initial tonality. But a lot of times you got to really bring it out with effects. So what I've done here, this is an interesting technique. So Operator has really bad mono summing, but you can actually use it for interesting stuff. So if you take a bass... Um, so, so, so. 
So if we spread this and see it gets really wide, the way that Ableton handles the voicings, it's actually like really bad when you sum it back down. So if we put this in mono, you're going to hear a bunch of phasing. So you can actually use that phenomenon to your advantage if you're aware of it. So what I've done here is I've spread this just a little bit, but then I've run it through a mono amp, but I don't have the dry wet all the way up. So it's basically like partially putting the sound in mono and then it's adding that like weird phasery flangey effect. I'm not sure if you can hear that compared to that. Just adds this nice like weird little texture to the top end. And then we can really start to bring that out with another amp. You can hear it without it. It just doesn't have the same like nice like meat to it. Basically the whole premise is just like start with a bandpass sound that has very little content left in it and then um, kind of just boost the top end. So we got these two amps, we got this multiband which is just cranking the highs. So is, is the multiband just more or less just happening as a, or is it just uh, functioning as an OTT right now? This, no, it's just the top that I'm compressing really. Yeah, these other bands, like there's a little no. tiny bit of compression on the mid, just like no. minus one dB. So no. like compressing the top a little bit and then just cranking this output 15 dB because no. we're missing all of no. that from the band pass, basically all that information is just like cut out. So we're just reintroducing that information with the amps and then really just like pushing it so you can hear it full on. And then once you do that, you kind of like lose the dynamic of the sound because you're just like forcing this wall of distortion that you've added on top of the filter just to like exist over the whole thing. What I've done is I've added this notch filter, which kind of like brings back the movement into the sound. And this has that OSR distortion on it with the drive up. Yeah, and if you listen to this, this is what's really going to bring back that bite and kind of scoop all the arbitrary distortion that's sitting on top. So that, yeah, like is the real meat of it. And it's a lot to do with this distortion. So if we turn that off, still sounds pretty good. That distortion just like tops it off and then just add a bit of reverb, bit of compression. Got a bass. And then really what's cool is just the way it leads into this next thing. So we unsolo that. Is, is this the normal way you tend to group tracks? Because it, it, it looks a lot more organized in terms of the groups than, than I, I normally do. Oh, yeah. I'm like really, really weird about grouping just because all my projects get insane. Um, so you can see like this project is out to 112 channels. And this is, a neat, this is before it stemmed. So there's still three more versions after this before I stemmed it down. So it probably got to like 150 channels or something ridiculous. And the reason for the grouping is for just my own sanity mostly, but also you then get a lot of control over each of these individual types of sounds. So like all these I have, oh man, this is before I used Pro-Q, that is painful to look at. We have different sidechains for all these elements, compression. I really like to sidechain my percussion to the kick and snare, and I know a lot of people don't do that. But yeah, I like to just basically copy this sidechain across all these different elements and then just play with the ratio and threshold, um, but leaving the release time the same for the most part. And then basically you just push everything out of the way for the kick and snare so that even though you have all these like extremely intricate rhythms you have a lot of control over like how much the main just like one two is so if you listen to the kick and snare it's just like extremely straightforward there's not really besides this little switch up 
it's just like one sort of idea, just like straight groove one, two. So the idea of the grouping is we can then like, I mean, even this, these pads have sidechain, everything basically has sidechain to different amounts. And you just get a lot of control over like how that interacts with your key consent. And then obviously you can like level things and EQ things together. But yeah, I find it really important to have everything grouped. Some people don't care, but my stuff just gets kind of like out of hand. So is the sidechain only on the groups or do you have sidechain on individual elements within the group as well? No, I never, unless it's for like a really weird specific reason. Like sometimes I'll have, here's a good example. So like sometimes I'll be like, all right, I'm going to add like a drum break under this. And I really want it to be there like on all the drum hits, but I don't want it to be on the snare, but it's fun on the kick. You could sidechain it like just to the snare in that instance. Usually I use a ghost sidechain too. That's not a thing in this track, but if you're trying to go to the ghost and one of the hits doesn't work for that one sound, but it works for all the other sounds and you don't want to create a second ghost clip, usually I'll just be like, I'm just going to sidechain right to the snare or whatever it is. Usually I try to avoid per channel sidechain because I'm really trying to get all of these elements to work as like one element. So I want all the percussion to be kind of like functioning as a unit. Same with the bass, same with all the effects, same with the melodic stuff. Just so I understand, going back really quick, I forgot to ask this about the sound design thing. When you were talking about how you, you got a lot of the tones, a lot of textures, a lot of the rhythmic stuff from doing uh pulling in old songs into granulator just like really as quick as possible can you kind of show us that process because that sounds freaking awesome i also have a whole tutorial on this on my youtube so if you want to watch that in detail anyone who's watching this it exists but for this purpose let's go ahead and just throw a granulator in here i'm gonna put something super secret in this granulator let's put my track with culprit in here all right, so basically, first move I make is I just map out all these specific settings that I know I'm going to use. Basically, what it's doing is it's just looping a small chunk of your sound with a determined amount of voices. So right now, we have eight voices that are just going to cycle through this loop wherever we put it. File to position is going to determine that. So we want this. I'm going to macro that out. File position is easy, just where you are in the sample. Grain size is the size of your loop. And eventually, if you make this size small enough, it's going to affect the pitch. So if we listen... That's like your main knob. So we're going to hit that up. Next thing, spray. I like to put this down in the bottom right. So I'm going to put this on micro eight. Spray is the amount of randomness allowed in the sample. So basically right now, if we have this grain size here, this little tiny sliver, all of the voices are going to play within this boundary. As soon as you enable spray, this is saying how far outside of this loop it's allowed to go. So if we put it up to 0.48 milliseconds, now they can stray up to 0.48 milliseconds outside of this. If we turn it up to 20 seconds, now within 20 seconds of this, voices are going to start like randomly popping out so if we Yeah, you can just see them like popping up kind of like wherever they want there and this is an interesting effect if you want to get like weird textures out of things can get pretty messy also but it's a cool knob so i always throw that in there by default when you open granulator there's no scan enabled so if you just hold this make that noise for infinity which typically is not what i'm after usually i want the sound to kind of like evolve so i use this scan knob for that and basically this is just saying how fast through the sample it's going to go so 100 is just going to play at its normal speed 200 is half speed etc so we can start to just like automate this and already get really crazy stuff <laughs> Oh, 
sometimes so yeah we'll throw these on here um i can already see how you get your sound like this is incredible no exactly it's a lot of people think it's a lot more complicated than it is and you look at my songs and it's like how'd you make this part at 145 and it's just like one sample of a granular thing that i've just kind of like thrown in there and added a filter to or whatever but yeah so then the curve function is going to put this time function on a curve so if you have it in the center it'll be linear and it'll just go at whatever rate you have forever if you enable this i forget which way but i think if you go left it'll basically make it start slow and go fast and if you start it to the right it'll make it start fast and go slow that's all that let's put this curve on here and then let's pop back over to this fm page so we got fm over on macro 5 on macro 6 and the last one i like okay so first of all the fm is non uh, it's not tuned it's just like a free fm by hertz so you if we turn this up <laughs> Um, yeah, if you go really low, it gives you this like vibrato. So I like to have that one on there. And then the last one is just the pitch. I and mean, this gets real crazy if you start. You've heard each of those has its own just like ridiculous sound that it makes. And it's a lot of just like sitting here for 20 minutes and playing with these knobs at different octaves. So I'll do that for a second. I'm not going to do it for too long, but to give you an idea, we can start. <laughs> Sweet mercy. I used to spend so much time just like the designing all these individual bass sounds and stuff, like the this one that I arranged in here is um, and I still make a lot of those just because they're good for like normal stuff. But I've found that if you sit there with granulator and like just put an interesting sound in it and play with it for a long time, you're gonna get like infinitely more cool sounds than you ever would from sitting down and making a patch. And then the pain in the ass is going back through that and getting all the sounds out of it. That's granulator. Dude, I just gotta say like, I feel like within Ableton, there's two tools that is completely underrated and that's granulator and that's vocoder. But vocoder, really? I hate Ableton's vocoder. I just can never get a good sound out of it. We'll hang out another time and I'll show you some cool stuff. But you proved my point right here. The freaking granulator is a monster. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous, man. I'm surprised so many people... I mean, I overlooked it at first, too, because it seems impractical to a lot of people, I guess, because of none of that is a note. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just a bunch of effects, basically. If you're willing to get weird with it and, like, put in the time to go find the good cuts, there's some insane sounds that you're never going to get with synthesis. Were there any points in the track that you got really stuck anywhere or that didn't quite initially go to plan? Oh, yes. Yeah, I would say I'm surprised this track didn't even get thrown out, to be honest. 
honest with you. It was never meant to be like an actual track for the album. And I just found myself getting like, I didn't really know what the vibe I was going for with it was. Let's listen to, I think. So yeah, this, this version's much more developed too. Um, the older versions, you can tell that I'm just kind of like grasping for ideas, like trying to find something that hooks me. But I run into that with a lot of these types of tracks, man. Not as much anymore, but with a lot of the album stuff, there's a lot of points where it was like, is this even worth the amount of time I'm putting into it? How is this going to fit into the overall context of the thing? But I think as soon as I stemmed it down, that's the other thing. I, I was working on this before I even did stemming. Yeah, I think I was definitely stuck on it and I was stuck on a lot of these tracks. I think as the, the concept for the album kind of developed and as I figured out how to stem things out and kind of like get control over my workflow a bit, I definitely was able to like get re-inspired on it and whip it out. But this was not a fun track to write at all. It was a lot of hours of trying to get the mix down right. I hate listening to this version of it. Um, I mean, most people probably wouldn't even notice, but I just hear so many things that aren't fixed yet in this version since it's an older one. And I just spent so much time like trying to get every detail of it the way I wanted, which is not inspiring and it definitely makes you hate it after a while. But yeah, so I got stuck, but I pushed through. Were there anything you did in this track that I suppose people would consider like technically incorrect or, or not the proper way, quote unquote, to do it, even though it kind of sounded cool anyway? I mean, like just for it, like... The whole thing is pretty experimental from the get-go, honestly. So, like, this kick is just cut out of another track. This snare is just cut out of a whole wave of another track. You can see the whole song there. Just grabbed that, just faded it in. Uh, a lot of, like, already mastered things that I just put in there and used as elements, which, like, isn't terrible, I guess. But then, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you would consider technically wrong, but a lot of, like, the bass design and design elements, like, a lot of the sound comes from just, like, clip of it to get the distortion. And then a lot of just, like, resampling things past the point of them sounding like things anymore. As far as technically correct, I don't even know if such a thing really exists because if it sounds fine, it sounds fine fun to me but and then my final question for you you know if you could uh basically go back in time and set with younger nolan when he was making this track and you could be like hey no younger nolan here's a couple things i would tell you to avoid or to try different basically to make the process go easier what would those things be to write this song probably to stem earlier <laughs> i find this with a lot of my project i actually not as much anymore because now i know to avoid it but i tend to just like avoid stemming because i don't want to deal with it and so i'll work projects out past the point that they're really workable because when you have like 150 channels in a project no matter how good you are at writing it's gonna be like infinitely harder to deal with everything just because you're like oh where's that one click all right i'm gonna go solo through 45 channels to go find it and so i, I think i just wasted a lot of time trying to deal with the full mass of the project for no real solid reason so probably just like not being afraid to commit to things because especially listening to the final song now it's like pretty much everything that's in here made it to the final cut and was just like eq'd a bit and layered with a bunch of new stuff so there was no reason for me to keep it separate the same way in this parts folder the same way i consolidated all of these parts down to this just for these edits i should have done that with basically everything because i spent so much time in with like all these like i need to 
to get this layer perfect. I need to EQ it. And then I need to have this fade come in, but then I need this hat to make sure like this is hitting right here and here. And it's like, once you've done that once and you have a solid loop, I think there's no reason to sit there with all these split out layers. If everything sounds good, just like consolidate it, keep moving. And if you need to EQ something, just bounce it out to a new channel again. Better to have two channels, one with an EQ, one without, and like 30 channels of you trying to like balance all of these things against each other. And then the final, final, final is, is uh, would you like our feedback on this track for you? Yeah, sure. So the first thing that I want to talk about is, I'm not sure, I can't remember if it was in basically both drops, but there's a section in the drop where, uh, well, actually like, so for, for the most part of the drop, it's kind of, for the most part, like a tonal, I guess you would say, like a lot of it's just like effects. And, and then there's just like this one part, I don't know if it's like four or eight bars where all of a sudden it's like, it has like some tonality and there's a bass noise in there that has a tonality. Can you go to that really quick? So a lot of the whole original concept of the song was to use the least musical sounds possible to write music. So a lot of just like, I'm going to take a chunk of a song that's just like noise and like cut that up and edit it or basically like add effects to it or warp it until it doesn't have any of its original harmonics or like actual note quality. And then all of the note just comes from the suck. I really liked that idea, but after listening to it so many times, I felt like it was literally just technical for the sake of being technical almost like the whole first part of the drop is cool but it's mostly it's like literally just rhythm there's not really any sort of actual melodic idea to it and i thought it'd be really cool if i was able to like have this whole like really static not really melodic part and then drop it down into some like really crazy bass section let's see if this actually has that part I decided to like add all this new stuff in there and I think it's uh, I don't even remember how I made that but I think it was actually yeah it was just that same operator patch this just with a bunch of different automations on it um, and then I went and bounced that down to audio so we can probably listen to what the original cut was here um, so yeah, that's what that sounded like. Yeah, I kind of just wanted to give it like more life for this part because so for so much of this, there's no like the only solid hit is this. And then everything else is just like chops and there's no like there's nothing to hold on to except for the kick and snare and that one nice result. So I, I really wanted to like bring it back into that sort of like actually having a bit of a baseline, like actual groove. And then I wanted to take that completely away. So then after that, it just gets like way glitchier and makes way less sense than at any point in the drop. So it was kind of just this idea where it was like, I, I, I like the technical sound of this, but I wanted to give it like this moment of like excitement where you just hear, I don't know, like this cool riff that really stands out and then just take it away immediately and never have it again in the song. Just for like one little part, this little section, there's like these two little riffs. And then you just cut them, like never have those again. And I really love that idea in music to like, you give this one really good idea, but you only give it taste because if this were the whole drop, it'd still be cool, but you'd get really the same way that I'm insanely sick of this entire part. It just like makes it special to hear this noise that like you're not expecting at all. And then just like have it taken away. It makes you kind of want to listen to the track again, I think. I love that. Like, I love what you did here. And I didn't realize that you, you wanted to do that strategically to basically put a take 
taste in. So what my what my uh, my advice was going to be was to do it more, but that would defeat the purpose of what you were doing. So what I would say in it, to basically have the best of both worlds to have the cake and eat it too is basically since you love rec- recycling your songs, I would say it would be like most dope just to take that one section right there and take that idea and make it into an, another Alpha State VIP. No, I agree. So a lot of the music I've been writing now and the album got me out again. So this song is like super old. Um, and a lot of this album was like me trying to find my way out of like this lack of riffs in my music. And so I, I like touched on it in this track for sure. But a lot of the stuff I'm writing now, like a lot of the unreleased stuff I'm doing is focusing just on like one good riff and then repeating it and then doing the variations at the end of the phrases instead of having like all variation and then insert one riff for a moment and then go back to all variation again, which I think is an interesting kind of like backwards way of working. But I agree with you. I think that there's definitely something more like bangery about having those. Yeah, there's, there's something about it. So. Yeah, no, no, I agree though. Thank you, man. Yeah, so I've got really think of anything like bad to say about the track really apart from just the suggestion kind of related to granulator so there's a plugin company called glitch machines i think they call it it does a similar thing yeah i think they have like an instrument and then an effect and i can't remember the names maybe one's called cataract but it's like my go-to granulator type per plugin for doing that sort of gl- gl- sort of glitchy chaosy sort of stuff cataract yeah nice you should send that to me because i'm i feel like i've rinsed granulator at this point yeah but it's, it's kind of like granulated but i think they could they call them like buffers almost so instead of calling them grains it kind of like chops it up into buffers so you kind of load up different like audio samples so you can have like like two or three tracks and then take different slices from different tracks and sort of feed it in, into each other and stuff so oh wow that's really cool yeah glitch machines make some crazy stuff but i don't have anything by them but i've seen people use it it looks really interesting awesome well thank you man i'll check it out and then uh sorry you just spawned an idea that i want to talk about really quick have you ever messed around with native instruments uh form I never even heard of that. So that's uh, that's Native Instruments' uh, granular synthesizer that they made. We're gonna have to go down a granular rabbit hole here. I don't. Uh, I mean, disclaimer. I don't know how. I, I haven't really like stacked them right against. You know, I haven't stacked the granulator and you know form right against each other to see which is better and which is you know has more flexibility. But basically, from the very small amount of time that I've used form, I'm like, holy crap, this thing is amazing. Granulator is great, but I think it's the same reason operator is great. It's like it just has a few really good functions that are right there i mean lately for synthesis i've been getting more into like serum and i feel like if there's more granulators out there or granular synths i guess granulator is not a word anyways i feel like if there's more plugins out there made by like native instruments especially they probably have a lot more kind of like features and like bells and whistles that they put into it and i feel like i've just gotten all of the core sounds out of granulator because i know what every effect does so yeah it'd definitely be cool to start checking out some other stuff and seeing what's out there so i'll look into it for sure that's awesome dude and just as a <clears throat> as a pro tip you can actually download it for free so it's a hundred dollars but if you want to download it for free it acts as the same plugin as if you bought it for 30 minutes but you're like me and you convert to audio really quick so, oh, so you just render it out before the demo ends exactly and you have the full version all the time. <laughs> it's called Form? Yep, F-O-R-M, yep. Form and Cataract. I'll check it out, guys. It sounds awesome. Other than that, dude, the song is crazy dope, man. I've never... <laughs> Thank you, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Thank, Thank you so much for having me on this, seriously. Hey, Don Nation. I hope you enjoyed episode 11.5 with Frequent. If you did, please let us know in the comments. But if you didn't, 
please let us know in the comments. If you are interested in the Patreon, giving suggestions, or private lessons, again, there are links down in the description. And if you could like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, either on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're at, that'd be amazing. It just helps us know that what we're doing is in the direction that you need us to go. And finally, I would encourage you to check out the next episode of Behind the Daw. The next episode is episode 12 with another upscale guy, with another neurohob, neurofunk, sound designy focused kind of guy. His name is Clockvice, Lucas Rose. He's absolutely amazing. It's one of the most popular episodes on the channel. So please go check that out. We're going to be talking about overcoming anxiety, learning to tap into yourself to know when things are right, when things aren't right. So we're going to go over a lot of things of that nature. So please check out the next episode of Behind the Doll with Clockvice. And with all that out of the way, Doll Nation, thank you so much for stopping through today. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care.